0: Good morning, guys. Good morning. So, as I was preparing this message, God has been running me through it, I tell you. That's, I think that's what he does when he gives you any message, right? Yeah. Well, um, I titled it, Let's Talk R&R. It's all about love. Well, the two R's stand for religion and relationship. And both of those can actually be broken down again. Religion brings rules and regulations, Right. relationship brings redemption and restoration. And um, God told me that I needed to tell you guys about my mom and my grandparents and how it affected us. Um, So my grandparents, to start out with, they were very strong believers in Christ, okay? They went to church every time the doors were open. Uh, My grandmother and my grandfather were both workaholics, okay? My grandmother was a nurse. actually achieved um, Assistant Director of Nursing for many years. My grandfather was an E-8 Master Sergeant in the Army for 26 years. And um, well, obviously not that long, but that's what he was when he retired. And then after retiring from the military, he worked for Pilgrim's Pride Corporation for another 20 years. And 10 of those simultaneously worked for Ken Pilgrim, who was Bo Pilgrim, the CEO's uh, son founder of Pilgrim's Pride, but my point in saying that is my grandparents, although they loved God, they were too busy with working it out. They always had to be working. They always had to be trying to do whatever it was. Whatever the church needed, they were there doing it. My mom was the one who suffered for it, honestly. My mom never felt loved by her father. She never felt accepted by her father. And when um, she was in high school, the night before her senior prom, she eloped with my dad. And wow. no, she wasn't pregnant. Uh, I came along two years later, actually. But um, it was to get away. She wanted to feel loved. And my dad's not a believer. He actually ridiculed her for her faith, for her morals. And he also joined the military. He, um, left, he was in Germany, met a lady there, and decided he wanted to live a life with that lady instead of with my mom. And at this point, it wasn't just me, there was also my sister. And so he was rejecting my mom, which she had faced lots of rejection already, and he was leaving us behind. My mom was crippled by this. Uh, She spiraled into deep, severe depression, battled it for the rest of her life, honestly. Um, We moved in with my grandparents. We lived with them off and on um, for many years. My mom then remarried uh, an abuser, and a few years later, they divorced, and for whatever reason, a year later, they remarried, and um, things got worse. My mom was in and out of uh, psychiatric units trying to get help for her depression, which had escalated into several attempts of suicide and cutting, and... um, During that time of her being in and out, we were with my grandparents a lot of that time, and so I was with them under their supervision, hearing how they felt about my mom, hearing the criticism and the negativity, I began to take that on myself and view her in the same way. And, um, you know, God has a way of helping us to understand why we do the things we do. And uh, it wasn't until after Tony and I had gotten married that my mom finally found somebody who loved her just the way she was, all the brokenness. And they were married for six months. And one morning I'm at work. My mom had called me the day before or the weekend before. Asking me to come visit her. She just really felt like she needed somebody to come see her. And I told her, I said, Mom, I've got to work. I have to go to work. I'm sorry. And um, two days later, my sister shows up at work from her grandmother, and my sister's like, She's gone. And I'm like, What? You know, she's like, Mom's gone. And it was at her memorial service that God revealed to me what it was all about. It was all about love, okay? All of her issues that she had, she was just seeking love and she had found it there. She had found happiness and love and God helped me in that moment to move past the criticism and the negativity and the judgment that religion and my grandparents had given me a mindset of and began to understand I began to then realize it's not about the doing and you know having to be just perfect which is what I always thought we had to be you had to be perfect right but um, anyway God showed me this so that my heart would change so that he could develop in me a better relationship with him okay and this morning um, the key passage is Galatians 5, 1 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can uh, read along on the screen. And it's title, the title of this is, the chapter is The Freedom of the Christian. Okay, so it says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything, What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord that you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another." And so this was part of what God was showing me in that um, remembrance of my mom and, and our life together was that I was biting her, and it was beginning to bite me and consume me, but God loved me enough to say, no, I set you free already. And that's what he wants for all of us is to walk in that freedom. Okay, and so the first thing we need to think about is how religion brings death, even Uh, Paul was saying here, that you know, if uh, you excuse me that in choosing to circumcise yourself, Christ isn't going to benefit. Now, the circumcision was a cultural thing but it can also be applied here. If we continue to try and cut off everything, it's just going to bring death because we have to open ourselves up for love. We have to be willing to reach out Okay, But God never intended for us to be held captive by the rules and traditions of men. We brought it upon ourselves when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Religion offers a false hope that we can ever be good enough on our own for God. It also keeps us trying to please people rather than God. For what is religion? Well, religion defined is a fundamental set of beliefs and practices generally agreed upon by a group of people The set of beliefs concerns the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe and involve devotion and ritual observances. They also contain a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. You know, the government likes to think that they're free from religion, right? Free of church and state. But if you stop and think about it, not to get political, but it is very much that they are still under the law of religion because they're invading every aspect of our lives we need to let god be the one who governs us and controls us matthew 7:21 through 23 tells us that not everyone who calls out to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of the father in heaven will enter on judgment day many will say to me lord lord we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So it doesn't matter if we just say it. It has to be from the heart. It has to be a relationship. It can't just be going through the motions. And that's what a lot of religion is. It's just going through motions. It's not doing it out of a heart of love for God. Isaiah 64:6 6 tells us that we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And then James 2.10 goes on to say, For whoever keeps the entire law, yet stumbles at one point, is guilty of breaking it all. You know, we saw in Galatians where, you know, he said we had to keep the entire law if we were going to be, you know, follow the circumcision. So it's impossible for any of us to keep the entire law. So, in a sense, we failed before we've even begun because of our lineage through Adam. Because it's through him that we've all sinned. You know, Scripture says that um, by one man, sin entered the world, and so death passed upon all men. Um, There are many who are just trying to make it on their own. They don't care, you know, what the Scripture truly says. They're just going to do it on their own, and I'm a good enough person. I'll get there anyway. But the Pharisees were one of those groups. Yet Jesus called them whitewashed sepulchers. And a sepulchre is just a type of grave. Uh, I want you to imagine for just a minute, you know, who all in here likes caramel dipped apples? Yeah, most of us. If, if you're not a big caramel fan, uh, maybe you like the tr- uh, chocolate-covered strawberries. Either one, either image will work. Um, now imagine you, you see it and you start salivating because that just sounds so tasty. Now imagine just taking a bite. And the surprise that you get when instead of that juicy, sweet fruit, it's mushy, it's mealy, it's rotten. That's what the Pharisees were. They were putting on a good front. They looked holy, they looked great, but on the inside they were dead because they didn't have that relationship with God. Okay, Uh, so 2 Timothy 3, 3, 2 through 5 says that for people will be lovers of self Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, um, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. You know, many of, of us today, even, I still am working with God on getting clear of all this. But it says, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. To me, that's still standing there, putting on that face of, I'm good, I've got this. But it's not relying on God to work it out through you, it's not allowing Him to love others through yourself. Okay, and so, but why did God say to avoid people living in this way? He said, because living this way will only cause those already engaging in relationship with him to stumble and lose sight of their love for him through gradual compromise. You know, it won't happen all at once. You you may form friendships thinking, oh, I'll win them over and it'll all be good. But what tends to happen more often than not is you begin to drift their direction. And so unless God has steadfastly called you, you are free and able to stand against the temptations. He's telling you, don't go in and be basically be close friends with them because you're going to end up doing the same things. Um, The second point is that religion is people-pleasing. And those tie in together in the fact that, you know, a lot of times that gradual compromise is just in, just trying to soothe someone over, you know. You're not intending to make a compromise yourself. You're just like, well, for right now, I'm just going to let the, let that go, let them be. I don't want to fight, you know. But um, Galatians 1.10 says, "For am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ." So we got to step back and realize it's not about. Uh, looking good for others. It's not about uh, how, how many friends we can have on Facebook. It's not about uh, basically just letting everyone do their own thing. You've got to be firm in love because Christ is love. Okay? And we're, to be his servants, we have to be showing them him. Um, God places relationship above religion, uh, look at King Saul in 1 Samuel. Pretty much most of the book. It's, I think it starts in chapter 9. But um, King Saul was ready to lead the troops into battle. And it was customary for Samuel to offer sacrifices before they, to God before they went into battle. On one occasion, Samuel hadn't yet come, and King Saul was getting impatient. Uh, you see, King Saul also battled with insecurity and insignificance within himself. And so he then decided that um, he wanted his men to continue being willing to fight for him. So he's like, you know, I'll just go in and do it myself. Uh, He decided to go in and present that offering without Samuel. And um, maybe, you know, he was thinking, since I'm the king, I can go ahead and do this. I can go ahead and step around what God has said. And I can uh, please my men by let's just get out there and go to battle. Um, But God was greatly displeased by this. In fact, he removed his spirit from King Saul and he told Samuel to go and anoint another who we knew as David to be king. Uh, Samuel told King Saul that in God's eyes, obedience is better than sacrifice. And even though King Saul was guilty of people-pleasing, even if that was only himself, let's stop and think, how many of us are guilty of people-pleasing for whatever reason, whatever the motivation? So it's easy to, you know, Point fingers at Saul when we ourselves are so often guilty of just trying to please please people rather than God, but God wants our hearts okay and He wants us to bend our will to His from a place of faith and trust in him out of a heart of love, more than he wants us to read x number of chapters in the Bible every day or to go to church every time the doors are open or maybe even dress a certain way, or whatever behavior it is that you hold to because it makes you believe that you're a better person for it. Okay? Excuse me a second. So if God wants our hearts, then we also need to realize that relationship brings identity. It provides identity. And in the book of Acts, we're introduced to another Saul, who was all too familiar with religion. Saul was known as a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he passionately persecuted followers of Christ. One day, he was encountered by Jesus on his way to Damascus. Saul was blinded, and his life was radically changed. In fact, history was changed forever because of his conversion. More than a year after his conversion, he became known as Paul. And with the same passion that Paul had in persecuting the believers, he himself began to follow Jesus' teachings and his example. And he called himself the chief among sinners, but God saw his value. In fact, he wrote more, than, uh, more of the New Testament than any other writer. So uh, we see that we cannot save ourselves. Okay, scripture is clear on that. Ephesians 2 8 and 9 tells us that it's through, by grace, through faith that we're saved, not of ourselves, so that none of us can boast within ourselves. Uh, When we make that decision to enter a relationship with God through accepting and believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to save us from our sins, then we receive a whole new identity. John 15, 15 through 17 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name, and this is my command. Love each other. And so we see again how it boils down to loving, loving one another. And I love how that, you know, Jesus tells them, you're no longer a slave. You're my friend. And he He makes the point to also say, it wasn't your doing, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Okay, and so, um, you know, we all love Bill Johnson around here, and I've been reading a book of his um, about a daily invitation to friendship with God. And in it he writes, our identity sets the tone for all we do and become. Christians who live out of who they really are cannot be crippled by the opinions of others. They don't work to fit into other people's expectations but burn with the realization of who the Father says they are. Doing more for God is the method servants use to increase favor. A friend has a different focus entirely. They enjoy the favor they have and use it to spend time with their friend. And how do we build relationships? We spend time together, right? Asking questions, learning about one another. Well, at our conversion, God becomes our Father, and our nature changes from desiring to know Him and to please Him I mean, desiring to know and to please him, excuse me. And, you know, we do that by spending time. It's not so much that the behaviors change, but the focus changes. You know, we may still continue to read our Bible. That's, you know, that's what we should do, read. But it's not because we have to. It's not because we feel compelled to do it to meet certain expectations or standards. It's because we're desiring to know more of him. We're desiring to spend time with him. Okay, and so, um, you know, as I mentioned, God becomes our father and our nature changes. Why? Because it's the very nature of God, for God is love. Okay, it's out of his love that he gave Jesus as our perfect sacrifice for our sins. And it's because of love that we're even able to have a relationship at all. Okay, so number four is that relationship is love. Uh, back in Galatians again, uh, verse four, five, chapter 5, verse 14, and then on to 22 and 23. It says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And at the first of that list, what was it? Love. Okay. So he places that first. And so how can we know what love is or even how to love? Well, we can look at first John chapter 4, verse 7, through 5, chapter 5, verse 4. Okay, you can turn there if you want. But um it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists of this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God, and we have come to know and to believe that the love of God he has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love God or does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Now, God's good about giving us little tidbits that tie in to, you know, when we're trying to teach something. And earlier this week, um, we were sitting at the table, and Brielle was asking some questions, and we were talking about uh, lying and truthfulness, and And she said, we shouldn't lie because we don't want to get in trouble, right? And and so, it's like God immediately gave me this this verse here about... It's not because of punishment. You know, it's not about punishment. And so I told her, I was like, well, baby, I said, you don't not lie because you don't want to get in trouble. I said, you tell the truth because when you lie, it breaks trust. It hurts a relationship. I said, you know, it's hard for someone to know if you're telling the truth or not the next time. She's only five, but y'all, she sat there and she goes, Oh, okay. And that was it. And I was just like, thank you, Lord, for letting that go smoothly because I didn't know if I had talked over her head or not. But um, anyway, uh, you know, this passage, though, it clearly lays out that God is love and what love is and how we're to love others. And it can be hard to differentiate, excuse me, differentiate sometimes between doing out of compulsion to religion or doing it from a heart of love for God. So from time to time, you might just stop and ask yourself, or ask God, rather, to search your heart. You know, ask him, say, God, is there an area that you need to show me that I'm working out of religion rather than out of love? And shift that mindset. You know, because shift it from I have to to I want to because I love you. And so as we do this, You know, God is wooing us in that point, in that moment with his love. And we'll begin to repent from the religious mindset, the religious ways, and allow him to love others through us as well. Uh, We'll also begin to do things, do godly things out of our love rather than from a place of trying to please or earn anything. You know, last week, Pastor Nathan discussed um, in his message that fear is the opposite of love. And as we just read, Love empowers us to conquer the world through faith. So love is everything, and without it, we are nothing. And so that you know brings me to 1 Corinthians thirteen, and I won't read the whole whole chapter, but just um, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Um, in verse, let me see here. In verse two, it says, "I if I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love." I am nothing. So without love, we're nothing. But then he goes on to describe what love is and what it does and how we know in part, but one day we're going to know in full, as we're also known. But um, I'll start in verse 12 here. It says, For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So once again, God is placing love in a position of superiority. And I think that's just because that is who he is. He is love. You know, he, I think he chose to place this chapter in between two chapters regarding spiritual gifts, and I think that's because love is at the core of everything. Yeah. You know, if there is not love, none of the spiritual gifts will benefit us. Nothing, they'll be meaningless. Uh, Without love, all of our efforts will be in vain. And I believe that love is the catalyst to change the world. But it begins with ourselves. You know, there's a spirit of religion that would love to keep us all in bondage, making us believe that we're good or that we have to earn God's favor. All the while, we carry on hurting one another by imposing jaded personal beliefs on those who do not hold the same. In fact, I've seen that played out, within, like I mentioned, with my mom and my grandparents. You know, she just wanted love. She was trying to be received, and they expected her to meet their standards instead of just loving her as their, because she was her child. Um, so, you know, as I was saying, you know, this privilege, it just makes us hurt one another. And Jesus came to set us free. You know, he set us free from the slavery to the law which the spirit of religion demands that we meet. And Jesus said that he came that we may have have abundant life. And so, you know, I'll ask, you know, maybe do you need to begin a relationship with Jesus in the first place? Or are you needing to be set free from the spirit of religion? You know, does it still hold you captive? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this? I just ask that everyone just get in the posture of prayer for a minute. You know. And I do want to pray with you all about being free from the spirit of religion. But first, I'll ask, is there anyone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus right now? Okay. You know, maybe it's hard to... Lift a hand or to make notice of it. But so I'm just going to ask if everyone together would repeat after me so that anyone who might want to receive Christ won't feel awkward about it. Okay. So, Lord God, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I realize that I can never be good enough on my own. And that I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again to set me free from my sins. So I now choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. And welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And that's all it takes, guys. First Peter 1 9 tells us that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. So that's all it is, it's not complicated. And so if anyone did in earnest pray this in their you know, then in a moment when our altar team is here, they would love to encourage you and pray with you. Okay, so now um, why don't we uh, resume posture of prayer again, and I'm going to um, pray a prayer to be freed from the spirit of religion. Okay, so in the name of Jesus, I bond strong man of religion in my life. I confess that my family has walked in self-righteousness and has judged others harshly. I repent for all judgments that I have made against other denominations in the body of Christ. I have judged them as being deceived and walking in darkness. Just, Judge, I ask that you forgive all words, deeds, and actions committed by my ancestors and me that have destroyed others in the body of Christ. Cleanse us of this blood guilt. I acknowledge that there is only one who is righteous, Jesus Christ, and all my self-righteous deeds are like filthy rags before the throne of God. I renounce my self-righteous identity which is rooted in good works, religious affiliation, and humanistic lies of the innate goodness of man. I renounce every attitude and belief, standing in opposition to the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus, and the sanctifying truth of God's word. I recognize that my self-righteousness has destroyed true intimacy with my family, others, and the body of Christ. Father, I have embraced this false righteousness and declared that I was good. I have been partaking of the fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil rather than the tree of life. Each time I partake of this poison fruit, the pharisaical spirit is strengthened in my life. So I ask for the antidote, the blood of Jesus, to be applied to my soul, forgiving me for living so far beneath my destiny in Christ. Help me to enter into your abundant life through humility and love. I take my stand this day against the strong man of religion in my life, my family, in my life. I strip him of the armor on which he has relied. I take off the helmet of inflexibility, limiting my vision and hearing of the truth because strongholds in my thinking. These strongholds stand against the truth of God's word. My stronghold of pride in the rightness of my beliefs shuts down my mind and keeps me trapped in my distorted view of the world and God. I remove the breastplate of self-righteousness held in place by my arrogance and pride that refuses to take responsibility or acknowledge my sinful actions against others. I consider that I do and say as right and good because I eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, Father, allow me to see that my righteousness comes only through the blood of Jesus Christ and all my self-righteous deeds are as filthy rags before you. I remove from my waist the belt of deception and delusion that has polluted the pure flow of the Spirit in my anointing and gifts. Deception has kept me from from producing godly offspring in the Lord. All that I hear and see is examined through this defiled stream. So, Father, cleanse me of all deception and bring forth a pure flow of your life. Lord, teach me to compare my thoughts and actions against your word, the nature of Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit. I take off the boots of war that caused me to so easily offend and hurt. I've used these boots to tread down, destroy, and discount others' gifts, views, voices, purposes, and destiny. Father, forgive me for being self-centered. I look for offense and quickly make war with those around me, Lord. Teach me to be a peacemaker. I throw down the shield of the fool that extinguishes the truth of God's word as it brings conviction sound judgment, and godly wisdom to my heart. So, Father, allow me to hear the truth in your word from leadership, others, and the Spirit. Remove the ways of the fool from my path. I release the sword of death that destroys others with words of criticism, fault-finding, cursing, justifying, blaming, judging, accusing, lying, gossip, and flattery. Father, forgive me for every word that has brought death instead of life. I ask that every unholy word is plucked up so that it will not bear fruit. Please cover all my words of death in the blood of Jesus. Father, may I have a tongue of life. May every word that I speak be in agreement with your heart for others. So, Father, I repent for being a vessel of the enemy through my carnal prayers against the plans and purposes of the Holy Spirit in the earth. I have stood as a judge against the move of the Holy Spirit and prayed curses against leadership, worship, unusual manifestations of your Spirit. And so, God, everything was measured against my knowledge and understanding with my words that were inspired by hell. I have been used to quench revival fires in the body of Christ. Forgive me, for I did not understand the power of my tongue to release death. Forgive me for drawing others into agreement with hell against the work of the Holy Spirit. Forgive me for standing as God in the assembly, thinking that I understood your marvelous ways. I am but dust, and you are the creator of the universe, filled with the wisdom of the ages. All understanding and knowledge belong to you. I ask that you sever the ungodly agreements that I have made with hell. So, Father, consume with fire the strong man's armor. I will not rely on this false armor again. I ask that you uproot his ways from my self-life. Send your fire and completely consume this root from the ground of my life. Purify my heart from poison of this fruit that keeps me separated from your heart of love. I refuse to feed on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Keep me alert to temptation to rely on religious ways rather than you. Forgive me for every person that I have poisoned against you by my harsh, pharisaical ways. Forgive me for presenting a false image of you to those around me. Destroy this false image in their lives so that they can serve you in truth. Forgive me for the war that I've waged against those who refused to bow to my idol of religion. Lord, help me to humble myself and make peace with my perceived enemies. So, Lord, now I put on the full armor of God, beginning with the helmet of salvation, which renews my mind by the word of God. Everything I hear and see, I judge against the word of God. I am in agreement with your word, your thoughts, and your purposes. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ. I boldly come to your throne to receive mercy. You declare that I am holy, and so I am. The Lord is my righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ shields my heart from all condemnation and guilt. I have the belt of truth around my loins. I declare that nothing is hidden in darkness or covered up in my life. I stand naked and unashamed before my Father in the truth of my redemption. My spirit is born from... Above of incorruptible seed, and my innermost being is the abiding place of the Lord. Streams of living water, pure and holy, flow from my inner self, bringing life to the weary land. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and I walk in the spirit of peace as a minister of reconciliation. I place the covering shield of faith over my life, which quenches all the flaming darts of the wicked one. Your faithfulness is my shield, and I trust in your ability to keep me from the evil one. I skillfully use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I will be effectual in my use of the Word of God to release the angels who obey the voice of the Word of the Lord. I will pray with my understanding and pray in the Spirit. I will be vigilant at all times, in every season for the body of Christ and the nations of the world with determination and endurance for the kingdom of God to be made manifest on earth. So, Lord, I rely upon your armor. With the complete armor of Almighty God, I am able to stand against the enemy. I dismantle the strong man of religion's house and proclaim that I am free of his control. Thank you, Lord, for freeing me from the dominion of this strong man. So hallelujah, I'm able to walk in my position as a son and as a daughter of the Most High God, totally dependent upon the righteousness of Christ Jesus, his word, his truth, and mercy. So guys, um, right now the worship team's gonna sing again, and um, the altar team would come, then anyone who would like to be prayed with will be here.